Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. My guest today is Bart Spiegel, U.S. entertainment and media deals leader for PwC. Looking out at the deal landscape for the year ahead, Spiegel sees a lot of repositioning for traditional media giants. He predicts we'll see activity in the unsexy world of broadband infrastructure, subscription and payment management systems, the stuff that will make the emerging streaming bundle go around. And he's watching with interest to see how video gaming has grown rapidly in pandemic conditions. He sees a metaverse of opportunity for content and distribution in the gaming arena. Bart Spiegel, U.S. Entertainment and Media Deals Leader for global consulting firm PwC, which always crunches great numbers on the macro economy of media and entertainment. Thank you so much for joining us and taking the time to give us your top line thoughts about the year ahead. That's great to be here. And, I'm, and I appreciate you guys giving us the opportunity to provide some of our feedback and perspective based on the work that we've been doing. You know, I think going into the pandemic last March, a lot of us thought that this was going to be a pretty contained a month, two months. But now that, we're, now that we know that it's going to be a more than year, perhaps even two year event, what, what are the big trends that you're seeing for this marketplace? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, when you go back, it's very interesting, right? Because to your point, we all thought it would be something that was relatively, we were hoping at least, relatively you know, um, short and in some respects wouldn't have the impact that upended the entire industry that what we're seeing now. And so when I think about that, I think about you know, what happened with you know, the theaters closing and then the theater staying closed, what that did for release dates, then you got to think about, you know, just the overall economy, like you bring up the macro economy and what is, what exactly does that mean for like subscriber churn, right? And for people that are subscribing to cable packages. And now all of a sudden we were seeing, you know, maybe one or 2% churn year over year in terms of people starting to slim down those cable packages. But right now we're having more and more financial difficulties um, for, you know, households. And as a result of that, you're seeing an acceleration of that as well. And so I think there are a lot of, you know, tangential um, impacts that are happening out in the market. And, you know, some of them we are easy to identify and we talk about some of them we may not realize for another year or two down the road in terms of how it's changing behaviors and how people are reacting to the new world and what that means from a, um, a commercial uh, entertainment perspective. We saw early on, we saw a lot of the, a lot of the largest media and entertainment companies, you know, move to take steps to, you know, increase liquidity if needed. They increased credit lines, some drew down on existing revolvers. You have a sense of, of is there leverage pressure now in this, in the, in the sector for the largest companies that there was already some for, for some of the companies, but has this increased the debt pressure that the largest players are feeling? I, I'm not. I'm not so sure that's the case. I think a lot of the the big players are. You know, I would encourage them, and I think they will be, to be opportunistic after this. You know, after this whole pandemic, right? If you look at the last financial crisis in 2008, 2009, some of the best deals happened with the highest um, ROIs 
coming out of that that whole economic downturn. And I think you'll be able to see some of that as well coming out of uh, coming out of this time. Um, you know, I, as you know, I can't talk about specific assets and specific kind of marriages that could happen out there, but I do think sure, and, and that I there, respect that. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, but I do think that there are a lot of companies out there that are saying, hey, look, in 2008, 2009, we know company X, Y, and Z really took an, you know, took an aggressive um, position, uh, was a market leader, was, you know, um, was the first to act, for, had a first mover advantage. And as a result of that, we're going to do the same thing now that it presents itself again. And coming out of that, I think that there are going to be winners and losers, depending on your access to capital. And your ability to effectuate your strategy in in a sh- in short order. My sense, as I look at the landscape, is that there's not a lot in the kind of core entertainment TV and film space. It's not a lot left out there. But am I missing things? Do you feel like there is a lot of opportunity out there? I think there will be a lot of repositioning. And mm-hmm. so, what I mean by that is, there are companies out there, kind of going back to what I was I, I, I had mentioned before. There are a lot of companies out there that have a portfolio of assets and for one reason or another may say, you know what, we like strategy X. And so the portfolio, the assets that we hold that have a strategy that's more in category Y, we're going to sell them. And so when we we think of these big companies and we think of these significant companies out there that have a very rich portfolio, I think what we'll see is them saying, you know, taking a look internally and saying, you know what, let's sell this asset and so when we, the reason I bring that up is because when you look at the, the macro environment, you know, you got to think about what individual pieces different companies may want to carve out and sell in the market. And so I'll, I think you'll see some repositioning of assets and that'll, that will generate additional M&A. Um, and so that to me is going to be a key thing going forward because I do believe in the fact that there's an opportunity for that. Going back to the whole concept around 2008, 2009, people taking advantage of, you know, just being aggressive um, immediately following something, you know, in, you know, a, a, a downturn like this. Um, what I will say, though, in addition to that, is those players, those people that are in a really good position, I expect mm-hmm. them, they, they too have an, an, an invested interest in really kind of um, expanding from an M and A perspective, because don't forget, we always think about you know like all the, for lack of a better term, all the sexy M and A, right? But there's still a lot of back right. office stuff that needs to happen in terms of technology, platforms, right. and all that kind of stuff that makes this new world operate. And it right. may not make the front page of the of of like Variety or you know like, but but it is in, incredibly important for the effective and seamless operation of their uh, of their platforms and their um, and and their overall operations going forward. And so I, I think you'll still see that going forward. And and the truth is in some respects, there's a lot of money to uh, that gets that that plays in that space as well. Another uh, a, a, a well-connected private equity person told me the exact same thing. Like yeah. tech may not be sexy infrastructure, any kind of connection mm-hmm. tools, as we're in a world that is going to work remotely for a while. And, and there are some benefit, you know, there have been some benefits to, to being forced to work remotely. 
that all of those areas are going to see a lot of investment, a lot of innovation. And we may look in five years time, we may look back at these at our the Zoom connectivity that we all got into in this period as seemingly quaint and antiquated compared to what we do from our phones or our wrist wristwatches and you know in the future that 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 you know energy and investment will drive will drive a lot of that. It's yeah, it, it's really interesting when you when you think about it, right? Because the um, if you think about your experiences and you know because you spend so much time in front of your computer or your connected device, as soon as you're interacting with a platform or a brand and that experience isn't seamless or that experience isn't optimal for what you expect, it's a really big turnoff nowadays. And so I think that, you know, as more and more content consumption and entertainment experiences shift online, um, it, the the quality of your connection and all the back office infrastructure stuff becomes even more important. And one of the things I challenged my team about earlier in this pandemic was what does that mean, right? And so what does that mean when it comes to like the absence of net neutrality, which is something the FCC had, you know, had, had passed, um, I want to say several years ago. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we don't hear a lot about that, but I'll tell you at some point, um, at what point does it make sense for someone out there to start paying for a fast lane into your house? Um, and then, you know, whether or not we as consumers feel that charge as they, you know, because no one's going to want to compress their margins, you know, the, I, 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 you would think that it somehow it would be passed along to the consumer. You just may not know about it because maybe um, a, you know, a, an on-demand movie or something winds up just costing an extra $2 because there's a fast lane into your house. You know, I'm just pontificating, but you know, there's, yeah. there's ensuring that that connection and that experience is seamless and is optimized as best as possible is going to be extremely important as you request and ask your, your consumer base to just interact virtually in a virtual environment. Oh my God. And the question of who picks up that tab is the source of a hundred congressional hearings and appeals. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, you know, you, you have a very different view of net neutrality and what, and what that means, depending on, on if, whether you're providing the brand broadband or you're consuming the broadband, but, but yeah, for sure. I think that, that, that world is going to be very, is going to be dynamic and it's all going to take more and more bandwidth. I would imagine that your clients are probably really excited that that are active, become active in the DTC arena. They're probably excited about the data that they're harvesting, understanding what the consumer is doing and when they sign on. And uh, what one thing that I find interesting is that um, I'm always hearing that that prime time remains prime time, <laughs> whether you. Mm -hmm on demand or not that that those that 8 to 11 p.m viewing block is, is still you know is still primacy of course now with everybody at home there's a lot more but the but that even in in the yeah. you, you still see we are we are still trained to at that, at that time of day oh yeah and and you hit on a really good point which is around data especially you know because we talked about earlier in the segment just about how the um, you know, it's not all it's the infrastructure, the back office stuff. It's not always the 
the really sexy stuff that you think about when you think about the entertainment and media industry. But that is key, right? And I remember, you know, historically, we've always looked at um, video game businesses. And when you look at a video game business, and, and, and just be patient because I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> um, when, you, when you look at a video game business, they always had, had, always had really good user data. And they could, you know, anticipate, okay, Cynthia's been playing this game for four months. At about at four months, that's the inflection point where we'll start to see her tail off. And so we need to either market new things to her to keep her in the game or market different games that we think Cynthia would be attracted to to keep her on our platform and, and a customer of ours. And you look at the, enter, the big entertainment and media companies out there, a lot of them didn't have access to this data, right? Because it just... It, right. You know, it was anonymized in terms of us consuming content, but now that world is completely changing. And so that the the availability for for these big companies to have this data is game changing, right? And so this is where it goes into you know acquire you know like acquiring platforms or technologies that help you kind of mine that data, figure out what to do with it. You know how how do I, how can I best kind of track user experiences, what they're doing, market to them additionally. So that's huge, right? And it's ne- and, and, I, and, and so I only think that that's going to, interest in that sector will continue to grow um, because of just the whole D2C model that, that you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think that we just scratched the surface of yep. the data deluge that's going to come in. And of course, it's going to take a lot of brain power to to um, you know, to process all of that, which is very good news for your business and mine too. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess. I guess my, my last question for you would be: I, We have been having somewhat of a U.S. centric conversation. You know, I think certainly one of the one of the most enlightening things that that the Netflix effect in entertainment has been is to open the idea of the playing field as truly being the world, as opposed to we're going to make shows for the U.S., export them, and they'll, everybody will love our shows overseas. It, I think the, the, the trends were already going that way, and, and Netflix and other streaming services with their ability to be global have really just raised the stakes of the game. Bart, what do you see on the horizon in terms of international media? Do you see the U.S.-based conglomerates getting more aggressive in the in territories to have more of a footprint internationally. You see it happening, vice versa. What What do you think we're going to see, kind of on the international? Uh, yeah, I, you lost me after you said that this was the last question because I could talk about this for four hours. Um, no, this is a, it's a great question, Cynthia, and I think you have to be you have to go global if you want to be successful and you really want to. Um, and you really want to make a make a statement and be competitive uh, for quite for for the foreseeable future because U.S. content, yeah, there are like our tent poles and everything they'll play well globally, but local content is extremely attractive in a lot of markets. And so I've you know done deals all over the world, and you know like your sitcoms are not popular in Turkey, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, they have, you know, there's different content that's more popular in different places, you know, if you look at telenovelas. And so like, you really have to, if you're not, if you're not operating with a global footprint with local production, um, to attract subscribers and consumers and viewers in those geographies, I think you're setting yourself back a bit 
um, compared to your competitors, because the truth is your competitors are doing that. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't do it, you're going to have a tougher time as local content continues to stay popular and you just don't have the attractive kind of compelling content that uh, people want. Because look, just, just starting an OTT um, platform is not going to make you successful. We've seen that in the market, right? We, we're not, without naming names, we know we've seen platforms, services, et cetera, that even during a pandemic haven't been successful. And um, so what that tells me is you really need compelling content to get people to subscribe, to continue to, to, continue to pay. And as a result of that, um, I really do think you have to look international. You have to have a global footprint. And you have to have that expectation that um, to survive, you you have the relationships to to, to drive that content in, on the ground in those territories. Mm-hmm. Well, the playing field is literally worldwide. There is yeah. much to watch and certainly much to study. Bart, again, thank you. I feel like I feel I owe you uh, you and PwC a debt for helping to put numbers down and and just helping to orient our thinking and give us some kind of a some kind of a baseline to look at to look at at this incredibly dynamic market really thank you for your time and look forward to more reports and more activity in 2021 thanks for listening be sure to tune in next week when my co-host andrew wallenstein's guest will be scott rosenberg of roku and please leave us a review at apple podcasts We love to hear from our listeners.